predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he predestined those he also called whom he called these he also justified and whom he justified these he also glorified what then shall we say to these things if God be for us, who can be against us? Lord, we read these eternal words, God, penned 2,000 years ago, and they're relevant, true today, on a normal morning, because the same spirit that wrote these words stirred us, Father, your eternal truths. Anoint again, God, the preaching of your word, God. We want to be built up and stirred up in our faith, God, today. Thank you, Father, for this time and this moment, God. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Actually, I'm going to just make a small adjustment on your story. Something you have been telling it, but way it went, Pastor Stevens had given the letters to Pastor Shallow, and Pastor Stevens asked me with Pastor Shallow, would you answer these letters? I said, I do not write letters. I cannot write letters. Those are 86 of them. You want me to answer 86 letters? Pastor Stevens looked at me and said, no, answer them with your feet. You should go there. I have been to India, China, Bulgaria, Austria, Yugoslavia, number of different places, France, Italy, many mission trips, and I swore I would never go to Africa. <laughs> I, I, did, I never prayed about Africa, I never thought about Africa. Any time somebody mentioned that I would walk and go someplace else to get ice cream or something, talk about Africa, I'm not, even, I'm not interested in Africa. I had <clears throat> worked uh, 15 years in prisons and had run two homes for heroin addicts. I did that for like 15 years. I worked at a maximum secure prison, the worst prison in America, Walpole State Penitentiary, federal pen now, and then uh, Gardner State Penitentiary, and then a place where those under 17 years old who had committed murder, uh, they were there, and I was working there too, having a great time being a person ministering to people with severe problems. Africa was the farthest thing from my mind. Missions to Africa. And when I read the letters, I just took them home and read them, and the Holy Spirit really spent my heart. And I said, why not at least go visit? And when I went to visit, 1986, I remember standing in a, a third world ghetto. I don't know how I could explain it. One and a half million people, no water. I know you've had a tragic event here. 
but this is always no water, no electricity, and, and just just unbelievable conditions that would make you like when you look at it, you just want to run away. Like I don't even want to be here. And God, when I was standing uh, on a little platform like this, speaking, and it was about five, six hundred people there, and God gave me a message from Luke four, sixteen to twenty-one: "The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor." And then it was almost like the Holy Spirit said, you here, you here, this is where you're going to live. Went back and told my wife, she, I said, we're moving to God, and she goes, where's that? <laughs> I said, just come, we're going to figure this all out. So we packed up our two children who were like nine or ten years old, and they left. And uh, that began a 31-year life in Africa for me. Right now I'm in the 31st year of working in Africa. I'll be there in a few weeks by the grace of God. But um, it's an amazing story, but it begins, as you think about these verses, this portion of Scripture, it begins because of God's faithful love. Say that, God's faithful love. God's faithful love. And it's, it's amazing. What does it mean? First of all, let's define faithful. Faithful is aman in the Hebrew and pistis in the Greek. And it means God's love is dependable. It's certain. It's true. You can rely upon God. Mm. Faithful love. It's continual, dependable, certain, true. And you can rely upon God's love. It's faithful love. I had never known anything about faithful love. I grew up in a religious situation, in a religious background. And all I knew was about conditional love. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does anybody here know what conditional love is? Mm -hmm. I love you if. I love you if you get ordained. I love you if <clears throat> I get the right kind of dinner this afternoon. I love you if. You know, th today was the first day I've ever ironed a shirt. <laughs> it's a miracle in Houston. I've never ironed a shirt. <laughs> I looked inside, I looked at this Ghanaian shirt and it was all wrinkled because it was packed and I, I just mashed it up inside of a bag. And I saw that in the room there was an iron. By the way, I got the iron open. I don't know how to close it, though. So the iron is still standing in the room. And I, I, I said, I, I remember seeing my wife do this. I, I figured I can do this. And I just, I, it took me about 20 minutes for one shirt. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought, if I do too long on this area, I'm going to turn it. Put a hole in it. I don't know what got me into this little story. But uh, faithful love. And it is really incredible when we think about it. This faithful love. And so from Romans chapter 8, we're talking about a church that's in a city of 4 million people. Rome was 4 million people. Mm. And it was known, the Christians were known for two C's, the catacombs and the Colosseum. They lived underground and they were killed in the Colosseum. By the way, do you know that they found 2 million graves in the, underneath the city of Rome? 2 million grave sites. People lived in the catacombs. They had four levels, and they had stairs, and they had stores, and they had all kinds of things there. It was incredible, really, what was going on there. They, that's where they lived. And so Paul is writing an epistle to a church of about 140 people in the middle of 4 million. And it was Caesar worship. They worshiped Caesar. There was bestiality, sex with animals going on. There was all kinds of alternative lifestyles. It was crazy. It was a crazy place. Addictions of all types. And Paul is writing to a church in Rome and telling them something very important that they need to understand. 
Sometimes we can look at that which is going on all around us and we can get overwhelmed. But when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Just, you can hallelujah me once in a while. Just, if, you want, if you don't want to, that's also, also okay. Praise the Lord. I'm not, by the way, I, I said to two people and they were arguing about Pentecostal and the Baptist. I said, both of you are absolutely wrong. They said, what do you mean? I said, first of all, the only real Pentecostal has to be a born-again Jew. Because Pentecost is a Jewish feast. So you're not a Pentecost. And I said, as far as Baptist, John the Baptist wasn't part of the church. He was a forerunner for Christ. So Baptist, John the Baptist wasn't in the church. So I said, neither of you are, are actually. You, just, you haven't got it figured out yet. They were not happy with me. Which is what my wife says about a lot of people. <laughs> so as long as Jesus is happy with me and you are, I'm okay. <laughs> That's okay. My granddaughter loves me too. Right? The grandchildren love you, and they, you know, they, I'm not worried about too much about that. Okay. But he's saying that he says something as he opens up this portion. And Pastor Shadow preached on this this morning. I didn't even know it. But all things work together. We know something. Say it. I know. I know. All kinds of tragic things can happen in life. I was in Rwanda after the genocide. That one, uh, one, 300,000 people died in one night. 1.3 million people were killed in three months. And I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. When some of the, some people ask me, like, how could God let this happen? I had no answer. My mouth would just stop. But we know. There's something we know. And it means we know with a certainty all things work together for good. And that means, by the way, divine good. Not human good. Divine, I'm sorry. Forget about the people over here. <laughs> Wait, I should be facing this way, but I don't have a left eye because I had a stroke and the left eye just got, like, done away with. So I don't have a left eye and I don't have a right ear. I can't hear if you're on this side. I can't see you if you're on this side. <laughs> That's why God gave us two, of our, two, you know, two eyes and two ears. So if you lose one, it's okay. And uh, we know, we know something. We know that all things, how many things? Oh. I, I do, come on, do we really believe that? Do I really believe that all things work together for divine good? To them who love God with a call according to his purpose. Do I really know that? When tragedy happens, when difficulties come, when trials come, when I'm faced with mountains, when maybe I, I have a, an area in my life that's sinful and I cannot seem to get victory over it. Or maybe there's a weakness or there's a, something goes on in my life and, and I start to think a different way. I stop knowing. We know all things work together for good. Divine good to them who love God. Mm. By the way, the two greatest needs of everybody, I don't care. I just came from India and China and there's 2.5 billion people there. And you know about it when you try to go to the bathroom. It's like 40 <laughs> people in line for the bathroom. I mean, imagine waiting for the bathroom. I'm like, you know, is anybody, is this line going to move? I'm going to... I'm going to go on my, no, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, come on. You know, I had, to, I, had to, I had to cut into the line, you know. And, uh, and people have two basic needs. Every one of us needs to be loved and to love people. Are you with me? Those are the two greatest needs of humanity. To be loved, and by the way, it starts with that, because I can't love unless I'm loved. When Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Why did he ask that question? He wanted to know if Peter was receiving his love and then loving him back with the very love he loved him with. Do you love me? You can't feed my sheep. There's a lot of pastors out there. They're professionals. They're organizers. 
They got it all. You can have a great building. You can have a great outreach, a great Sunday school program. You can have a great amount of money. You can have great musicians. If you don't have great love, you're finished. There's no love. None of it makes any difference. None of it makes any difference. This love. And Peter needed to understand, before you can feed sheep, you need to love me. You can't shepherd people unless you love them. Pastor Steve has told us when we were being trained in our early days, 40 years ago, he said, do you love to preach or do you love those you're preaching to? That was interesting. Do you love to preach or do you love those people you're preaching to? When they come up to you after church and they got a problem, wait a minute, I've got to go to lunch. I don't have time. I heard a pastor say this in a, in a, in a European country, Eastern European country. He said, the only time you can call me with a problem is Monday night. That's when I take church problem calls. I, I, so, I was so angry with him. I went up to him and I said, what kind of a pastor are you? You're a four-hour-a-week pastor? You can only take a call? You know what? He's, when he talks about phone bills, my wife had to cut me off. I had to get an internet phone system. I was, it was, I was spending $1,200 a month on phone calls. Yeah, my ears are killing me. <laughs> I'm just on the phone. I make, I make 300 phone calls a week right now. At least 1,200 a month. I'm always on the phone talking to people and traveling and whatnot. Because we love people. And it's not something that's sourced in us. It's God giving it to us so that we can love people with that very love. I learned that by working with, per with prisoners, especially murderers. I had one guy that swallowed two razor blades. I said, listen, you're supposed to shave with them. You're not supposed to swallow them. Who's oh, out, out of his mind? Jimmy Baez was his name. And he became a great preacher. He swallowed a razor blade. I, I had another guy that ate a Coke bottle. I said, you're supposed to drink what's in there, not to eat the glass. Unbelievable. God called me to be in, with these individuals and love them. And when you love them, they come out of those things. I have, uh, I have two men uh, that are now pastors that were, 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 were paroled to me from prison. And then I brought them into my home. And then they are, they are now pastors. Interesting. Three of them, uh, they used to take my car every Saturday and, and, and really do a beautiful job on it. You know, the wheels, they shine everything up. I noticed they were taking a long time. And one day the police came to my house and said, your car has been used in two armed robberies. <laughs> they, they knew it wasn't me because they know me. I said, Willie, Al, come here. Kenny, if you're going to you know, rob places. I don't care, but don't use my car. <laughs> you're going to do that, you're going to do that. I can't help you with that, you know. I, mean, I'll, I still love you, and I'll, I'll minister to you in prison just like I minister to you in the house. Just <laughs> you know, don't use my car. Hey, come on, you know, like, I don't need this aggravation. And you do do a nice job fixing it up. Polishing it, you can see your face in it. Yeah, one of them, you know, it's not going to give you a satellite start. One of them robbed the same bank two days in a row. <laughs> he got caught the second day. I said, like, I said, to, I said, Sam, why would you? <laughs> he said, well, I figured if I got away with it the first day, they're never going to expect it the second day. <laughs> well, guess what? You got used. <laughs> yeah, his name was Sam Griffin. He became a pastor later on when he got when he in prison. It was amazing. He was a, actually, he was a Muslim when I met him. And he got converted. Six foot seven, strong as an ox, football player. Angry with me, yelled at me, spit at me in prison and whatnot. I said, this is going to be good. I love this guy. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. I would, every time I go in there on a holiday, I say, hi, Sam. He goes, 
get the hell out of here. He would, he would F-bomb Jesus all day long, you know? And then one day I said to him, can I ask you one question? He goes, ask your question and keep moving. I'm glad there's bars there. I said, was your father a pastor? He looked at me. He was stunned. He said, how could you have known that? I said, you're reacting to what your father did as he treated you a certain way. And you've taken it out against God, but it's really him that you have the problem with. He got saved. Became the Bible study leader in the prison. Well, it's amazing. What, does, what can love do? We know something, right? Are you with me? Love can... I, I led my wife to Christ as a heroin... As a, as a, forget it. As a, as a drug problem person. I led my wife to Christ with the Bible. She had lost her father and she was having a nervous breakdown. I was unsaved using narcotics. I was on like a 14-day binge. And I read the Bible for three days. She got born again. I put the Bible away and went back to drugs. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, she got delivered. But you know what? She started to pray for me. And then it happened in 1976. See, we know something. All things what? Work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the call to court. I love Africa. I mean, the people. It's amazing. God put a love in your heart for people in Houston. Right? Amen. You got a love for people in Houston? Yeah. Hello! Are you with me? That's, that's how you build a church. You love people. A lot of people build a church and they go up really fast in their large churches. You let one thing happen to the pastor. Misuse of money or adultery. That church is finished. They go down just as quick as they went up. But if you love people, even if you fail, they'll love you back with the love you gave them. And you could actually be restored. Just to love people and care about people. Do you love me? And he says all things. We know all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Then he says this. Those whom he foreknow, he knows. Do you know that God has known you for like a billion years? Amen. What's your problem? You were in God's mind billions of years ago. Are you worried about something? Huh? Hello? Are, are you with me? I had a guy put a gun to my head one time. He said, I'm going to blow your brains out because you kicked my son out of Christian school. I said, what? you know what? You're stupid. <laughs> he cocked the hammer. You're stupid. He got angry. I said, you're going to go to prison for the rest of your life or sending me to heaven. <laughs> you're stupid. I said, you're a stupid person. He started to cry. He got saved. <laughs> it was amazing. In the church. Love people. He just needs to be loved, right? I don't care what he's at. I don't care how angry he is. You know what James and John were like? They were sons of thunder. We got any thunder sons here? Oh, yeah. Huh? No. No, he's a very, very quiet cop. Are you a son of thunder? There's another one, son of thunder. You know what they were like? They were impulsive. They were prejudiced. They were exclusive. Tell him to stop doing miracles in Jesus' name, right? Hey, mom, could you go get the seats on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus for us? They were ambitious. You know what happened? They got transformed. You know that, you know that John used the word agape 96 times? In the Gospel to John and his letters, he uses the word agape 96 times. And in 1 John 4, 7 through 5, 3, he uses the word agape 29 times. What's on his mind? What's on John's mind? Love, loving, being loved by God and loving people. This is the key to Christianity. You, this is how you win Houston. 
I love Sam Houston anyway. I still watch him nice stuff. Yeah, him and Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie. I don't even know if all that was true, but I, I like it. <laughs> I love the album. I got three Bowie knives, and I'm not even from Texas. I got them all in my bed just in case. <laughs> <laughs> no, but love. All, all things work together for good. And then he says, so he foreknown us in love. Then he says he predestinated you to be conformed to his image. Not this other predestination garbage that's out there. He, he's predestinated to me. He's going to conform me, change me by loving me. Are you with me? God's going to change me by loving me. And then whom he has conformed to his image, then he called. He called me to his love. Then he justified me, finished work love, declared me righteous. Then he glorified me. Think of those five things. Think of those five things. Foreknown in love, conformed by love, called to love, declared righteous by love, and glorified by love. Those are amazing. Then he makes this statement. What are you going to say to that? What shall we say to these things? What are we going to say? Sorry, I don't want to skip. What shall we say to these things? What's he talking about? The five things he just mentioned. I've been foreknown in the love of God. I'm being conformed by God's love. I've been called to be loved by God. I've been justified by the finished work cross of God's love. I've been glorified by His love. What am I going to say to that? If God be for me, who, what? Yeah. By the way, can I tell you that's a misquote by King James? Can I tell you that? You know what it really says in the original Greek language? in view of the certain fact that God is for you, who can be against you? It's not an if. Well, if. I don't like that word, if. Okay, it means like there's a condition attached to it. It doesn't say that. It's quoting Psalm 56, verse 9. And David said, in, in view of this absolute truth, God is for me. It's not an if. God is for me. I don't care if you... By the way, if you are against God, God's still for you. How's that one sound, huh? I used to stand outside and curse God in a, in a lightning storm with a golf club. I hated God. No, I did. Hey, Lord, he loved me. He was, I was against him. He was for me. Are you with me? You know? The people out there, they're against God. God is what? For them. Did you hear the, did you hear the story? Uh, I hope I don't lose my spot. God, remind, remind me, Romans 8.31. I say, where was I? The... There was a man who was, uh, I think it was Afghanistan or Iraq, and he was a pastor, and two men came to the door. Did I tell a story last night? But not in church. No. And they came, and they, they put a hood on him. They took him out with guns. They put a hood on him. They brought him to where there was about 200 people, and they filmed him, and they cut his head off. With a Christian pastor, they killed him. Cut his head off. Then another pastor said, I'm going to go take his place. That guy was like something else. I'm going to go there. I'm going to, I'm going to pastor there. He goes there. He goes there. And I knock on the door, and it's two men, hooded men. They do the same thing. They put guns to him. They take him, and they put a hood over him. They put him in the trunk of the car, and they drive him to a place. And then all of a sudden, they take the hood off, and there's 150 men there. And he says, okay, I'm going to die just like the other guy. And this is what they said. The man said, please tell us about someone named Jesus. Because all of us had the same dream the other night. All 150 of us. Of a bleeding Jesus. Who is he? And they all got saved. They all got saved. God is what? 
before what? God before you who can what? Be against you. You know, we've got a, we have a lot of Islamic converts in, in Africa. In Ghana alone, we have 86. I got seven pastors that were former Muslims. <clears throat> How'd you win them? <laughs> one of them, one day they were sitting there, you know how they wash their feet and they wash their hands and they do their ears and they do they, they go through this whole ritual? I walked up to one, he's a pastor now, I said, can I ask you a question? I, I don't want to interrupt your service for your worship. Can I ask you one question? He goes, certainly. I said, how do you wash your heart? <laughs> he looked at me, he got up. He said, can I talk with you? I said, yes. He got saved. He's a pastor now. Just a little heart washing statements, you know. But but he knew I cared about him. Are you with me? We care about people. We love people. God is for me. I know something. God is for me. What am I going to say to what? Foreknown in love, conformed by love, called by love, declared righteous by love, glorified by love. What am I going to say to these things? God's for me. The second thing is, he will never hold anything back. Romans 8.32 He who spared not his only son, will he not with him also freely give us all things? How many things? God never holds back from you. Don't you ever believe the devil the liar? The devil cannot love. He is nothing like that in him. He's evil and he hates. God never holds back anything. I don't care what you think you have. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I'm content. He doesn't hold back. He'll give you, he gives you exactly what you need. I, I saw all these preachers that are out there today with their naming and claiming garbage and their nonsense of what they're preaching, you know, because of your faith. Well, I don't have any faith anyway. I live by the faith of the Son of God. And faith works by love, Galatians 5, 6. Faith is because of the love of God. He never holds back. He never holds back. We have 292 orphans right now. We are supporting. My wife said, we're going to start an orphans thing. I said, you are, not me. I said, I got enough to do as it is right now. I said, you want to have an orphan? She says, God put it on my heart, and you're going you're gonna to help. I said, I love you, Linda. I'll do what I can. Right now, we have 292 orphans. We have a lot of them from the Rwanda genocide. We're raising them. Seven of them have graduated from Bible school, and three are pastors. And we take care of them. We have orphan homes, orphan farms. Every, every orphan we have, number one, is in a greater grace Christian school with a greater grace church and a greater grace orphanage. That's how I want to do it. I don't, I don't want to just support orphans. If other people want to do that, that's their business. And they probably do a great job. But I know what God told me to do. You know what? God's not holding back. These orphans, they come into the world, there's nobody. They have nobody. We pick them off the streets sometimes. They have no food. They're sniffing glue. We take them in, and we got 292 of them, and I'm believing God for 1,000 orphans in the next seven years. 1,000 orphans. A little army. A little army of orphans. It's amazing. These kids are so precious. God never holds what? God's holding back on me. He's not healing me. Well, maybe He's not healing you because there's a reason. He's going to get glory out of whatever's happening. <laughs> he's holding back. He's holding back on me. You know, it's like a man who doesn't tell his wife what he makes for pay. <laughs> Just in case, you know. I was telling my daughter the other day, like, how many pairs of shoes do you have? She was about 40. I said, God bless your husband. 40 pairs of shoes? 
what the heck are you doing with them? She goes, oh, I don't, I, I, I give them away when I don't need them. I'm like, okay. She goes, God doesn't hold back on me. I like shoes. Okay. Yeah, she used that against me. She really, my kids are very good. My kids are very good at using the Bible you know, against their father. You said. That's the second thing. Not, not only is God from me, He never holds up. The third thing is He never accuses or condemns me. Do you ever get a, have you ever been at a church where you've been accused? You're not giving enough. You're not living by faith. You're, you're not right with God. You know what? I'd like to just like. I wish I had like one of those water guns. <laughs> you know, and I know is it illegal to carry a water gun? <laughs> having fun. You come in the church to get built up and you get beat up. Hey, I've been in those places. You get beat up instead of built up. You come in with some burdens from work all week long, and you co you come in like this, and you go out like this. Like, it's like you're like, oh my God, what the? I mean, I needed to get delivered. I need to be built up, building people up, loving people, not not. But it says that he called those things that are not as though they were. God said, God said, Lot was righteous. You figure that out. He had sex with his two kids. And he created Moab and Ammon, and God calls him righteous lot. Talk to God about that, will you? Don't talk to me about it. You ask God about that when you get to heaven. God never accuses us, never condemns us. Peter wept when he denied the Lord. Jesus didn't say, why did you deny me? I was with you for three years. I showed you miracles. I raised Lazarus from the dead. I cast out demons. I, I, I healed the lepers. And I, the blind could see and the deaf could hear and the dumb could speak. And why did you deny me? He just looked at him and he wept. He knew that God loved him even after the denial. Are you with me? He denied him. And Jesus loved him. He never accuses anybody. By the way, if, it, you, if you experience accusation, it's Satan or it's your flesh. It's your own flesh beating you up. Right? You know what I say to myself? I'll tell you what I say. When I go out there, I said, there's no better missionary than me. Sorry. No, you should say the same thing about yourself. Right? No. Best preacher on the planet. I'm not, I'm not going to beat myself, accuse myself, analyze myself. I once said to my wife, did that message make any sense tonight? You know what she said to me? She's in the car on the way home. I said, does that make sense, that message tonight? She says, shut up. <laughs> she goes, it was great, and don't analyze your own messages. Don't analyze your life, okay? God never accuses you and never condemns you. Are you with me? Amen. The fourth thing. Okay, we said three things. Now, what do we say to what God says? The first thing, He's for me. The second thing, He never holds back. The third thing, He never accuses or condemns me. The fourth thing is, He'll never be separated from me. Never separated from the love of God. Isn't that awesome? There's no aphorizo, that's the word. Never have I, will I ever be cut loose from God. If I make my bed in hell, these will be. That doesn't mean go out and sin, my friends. But it just means that I am never separated from the love of God. And he gives you 19, 17 or 19 things about what could separate you. Never separated. I once met a lose the Holy Spirit Pentecostal. And I said to him, I have a couple questions for you. Are you ready to answer them? He goes, yeah. Okay, okay. We, we have our differences. I love him, and, but I, we have our differences. I said, um, you say you can lose the Holy Spirit if you sin, correct? He goes, yes. 
I said, what sin? What sins do you lose the Holy Spirit for? There's certain ones. You know, like, what if you like you have a bad thought? Does he go away? And you got the Holy Spirit going and coming all day. You have a bad thought, he goes. You have a good thought, he comes back. You have, you know, you, you, you're envious, he goes. You have a, a, another thought, he comes back. You eat too much food, he goes. <laughs> what? You want to die, he comes back. <laughs> so I said, so what sin does the Holy Spirit leave? He goes, well, the big ones. The real, the real big ones that are long term. I said, okay, is Israel God's people as a nation? Yes or no? He goes, absolutely. I said, so Israel killed God. So did God end his covenant with them because they killed the son? He walked away. He couldn't answer that question. They put him on trial and they murdered the Prince of Life, Acts 3.15, and God didn't remove the covenant. Are you with me? Never separated from the love of God. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The Hebrews had left God. And he says, I'll never leave you. Never, never separated. The fifth thing is, I'm more than a conqueror to him that loves us. You know what that means? Even when you think I'm defeated, I've got victory. You think think we're defeated in Houston because of somebody named Harvey? Whatever, is that what that? Yeah. We're not defeated, right? This will make us stronger. Never defeated. There's a song they sing in library. I know no defeat. I know no defeat. Jesus is my captain and I know no defeat. He's saying over there, make sure you keep preaching. Don't ever become a musician. <laughs> Don't ever song me. I, I, I was reading your mind. No, I, no. no, I mean, I don't know defeat. Never. I'm more than a conqueror. We have, the, we have victory in Christ. It's amazing. That's what I say to those things. He foreknew me in love. He conformed me by love. He called me by love. He declared me righteous by love. He glorified me by love. What am I going to say to that? What are you going to say to that? I'm having a bad day. What are you going to say to that? God, where's God in this? You know what? And by the way, God is not a feeling. You know, sometimes you go, we go through some things and we don't even know where, where is God. David had those times in his life. He was wondering, where, where is God? I feel like God is not... Don't worry about feelings. Worry about... Think about truth. All right? Truth, not feelings. I don't feel like a Christian today. I woke up this morning. I didn't feel like a Christian. I felt miserable. And I got on my knees and I prayed and it went away. I don't even know what it was. Maybe it was the hotel. Maybe it was the music that they played till I called down last night. I said, tell them to shut that stupid music off. She goes, yes, sir. And she did it within one minute. I was so thankful for Texas. You try that, you try that in New York. You know, they'll send somebody up to your room. They'll take you out of your room. Tell you to go to another hotel. Unbelievable. No, really? I'm amazed how kind people are here. Everybody is, yes, sir. Can I help you? Anything I can do for you? I'm like, huh? Where am I? Am I in Africa? This love is amazing. Are you with me? This love causes Paul to win Onesimus when he's in prison. Philemon. He says, Philemon, you take him back. Not just as he. And by the way, Onesimus robbed Philemon. And he robbed the church. And Paul says, take him back and put what he does on my account. This is love. This is God's love. God's love will change a drug addict. God's love can repair a marriage. Are you with me? 
God's love can take away whatever, you know, what's, what's weighing heavy on your life today? God's love delivers us from sin. The Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in our hearts. This is the message of Christianity and you can't find it anymore. Are you listening? You can't find it anymore. It's shocking. I can't believe it. All this about, here's Christianity. Do this, don't do this. What the heck are you talking about? Don't do this, do this. It's all do's and don'ts. It's like, how about loving me out of my don'ts and my do's, okay? How about loving me into a fellowship where God just, these things disappear. You, by the way, here, here's a good one for prayer. Did you ever pray about something and it never left? It's always there, problem. And then you stop praying and it goes. You, you stop praying about it, you, got, you gave up, and then all of a sudden it's gone. God wants to let you know that it's not your prayer. It's Him. You can pray all day. If he doesn't take it, he's not taking it. How's that? Huh? How's that? Pray all, yeah, fast, pray, scream, cry, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying God can call us to pray. But it's God who answers the prayer, yes or no? It's God who answers the prayer. Peter, if I, if I pray for one month, okay, about having my hair turn black, like Eduardo's. I got two choices. Either believe God or go get some, well, in Africa they use shoe polish. Change your hair color. They use black shoe polish. They don't get it dyed. That ain't gonna happen. The gray is here to stay. Amen? Amen. At least I got some. <laughs> some people are careful now. <laughs> you said that? That meal? You say careful now? You still have a little bit. They're both deserting me. What's going on? One airplane. But God loves me. He'll take me through it. Listen, I've seen this. Whether it's addictions, people that are in prison, people that have been in a religious system. By the way, Christianity is not a religion. You know what? Churchianity is a religion. You ever play church? You ever play church? Hey, let's go play church. Let's play churchy. It's like Monopoly. You know? Let's play churchy on Sunday morning. We're not, I'm not here to play church. I'm, we're here to get to know God. Amen? We're here to let God love us and let, let Him change us. Love, by the way, here's, a, here's a, one of my final statements. Love never demands a change. Love produces a change. That's from Pastor Stevens from 1967. Love never demands you to change. Love produces it. You ever have people that want you to change? Change! Sometimes I look at my kids. My kids are like in their 40s. I said to my wife, is anything ever going to change? She goes, pray and love them. She goes, pray and love them. I'm like, oh, is that what it is? She goes, you ought to know you're a preacher. Love them. Love them where they're at, right? Love them right where they're at. Don't. I'll love you when you change. That's ridiculous. No, you love them and that love will produce a change. You don't know what my husband's like, I said, and you don't know what I'm like. <laughs> and I, I, a woman was telling me, like, I wish my husband was more like you. I said, you, you're wishing the wrong thing. <laughs> you're wishing the wrong thing. I, I, I'm just living at 70 to put the seat down in the toilet. It's taking me this long. <laughs> to pull it up. You know, you, to, put, to move the seat up when you men go to the bathroom, you move the, put the seat up. My wife said, when are you going to, in 70 years old, you ever figured this out yet? I said, God's going to change me, and God is changing me. I've also learned, I, I, now I wash dishes. 
I can even iron now. That's amazing. I can iron. I can boil water. I can make an egg. I can make. I can even make toast. No, no, no. I can't even say that because the toast thing doesn't work. You know, my wife is so patient. When I had a stroke, I, I, I was, I was kind of like out of it for like a few months. And then one day I got in the car to go to church. And she's looking through the window and she comes out and she goes, you know something? You need to wait a little bit before you go to church. I said, watch this. You have your pajamas on. <laughs> I said, no. I said, okay, let's just come back in the house. We'll talk we'll try this <laughs> And you know, I don't know if you know what stroke can do to you. you know, like you're just not in the right for a loop. But God healed. And God brought it all back. It's amazing. Because love does that, okay? Lo love people. Love your neighbors. Love people. Love, love the most visible person that you can find. And don't tell me they're in the church. <laughs> no, not really. Just we love people. And watch what happens. We love our children. We love our enemies. We love people. And we see them get totally transformed because you're loving them and they don't deserve it. It's called unconditional love. Right. Unconditional love. This is what changes people. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you today. We pray, as Jesus would ask Peter, do you love me? He just needed to know that one thing from Peter. Do you love me? And we also think about Revelation 2, 4, they left their best love. The church of Ephesus left love, and they were actually going to have their candlestick removed. How many churches might be out there that have no candlestick? Because they don't love with a God they love. We pray that you would help us, God. That you will shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit sheds the love abroad in our hearts. What's, by the way, what's the ministry of the Holy Spirit? How do, you know a, how do you know a ministry is spiritual? They love people. Holy Spirit sheds the love of God abroad in their hearts. Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Holy Spirit... Is a, it would be a Bible-believing, teaching church. It would be a Holy Spirit-filled church. We thank you. If you are here this morning, you've never received Christ as your Savior. Simply say this prayer. You're not joining a church. You're letting Christ join you. Say, Jesus, save me today. I believe in you. I receive you as my personal Savior. Love me today. Change me today. Forgive me today. Bless me today. Help me today with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. If it's your prayer that you want Jesus Christ in your life to be born of God's Spirit, born of God's love, just put your hand up. Jesus, save me. Save me. Save me. If you are here, and I know that we're all here this morning, our prayer is God, love us. We know you do. Help us to receive it. Help us to have security in it. Help us to believe it. Help us to operate in it. Help us, God, by loving us and shedding abroad that love in our hearts. I'm not concerned. God's not concerned with somebody's past. He's not even concerned with somebody's present. He's not even concerned with somebody's future. He's concerned with loving people. This is agape love. This is unconditional, unending, inseparable, constraining love. This is a love that corrects, draws, they drew me with cords of a man and bands of love. This is the love of God. Jesus said, 
I just show all men know that you are my disciples by loving one another. He didn't say by buildings. He didn't say by money. He didn't say by crowds. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my, my disciples, that you love one another. So help us, God. Thank you.